Religiosity! Episode 53. Back with Pastor Andrew. Yes. I have Exodus on the mind, I mean, ever since your <laughs> last sermon, I mean... Uh, yes, uh, so some of it might be a slight repetition for those who are uh, watching our video invitations uh, for worship. Uh, it's probably a good idea to do that. One of them could be a marination and then you, you, then you really take it in on the next one. <laughs> yeah. Talking about Exodus, biblical book, the second book in the Hebrew Bible, uh, and a formative story of people of Israel, uh, of, of, of Judaism. Uh, the problem is uh, that uh, it uh, historically does not add up at all. Hmm. Uh, and that has been known for quite a while. Of course, you have those uh, different crazies, uh, fundamentalists diving in Red Sea and finding artifacts of uh, uh, Egyptian army there, <laughs> you know, and, uh, or all the other different uh, uh, ideas uh, like you have those uh, uh, from from Genesis uh, searching for the Noah's Ark, you know, and right. other things. That's uh, just uh, let us put that aside because that's an utter craziness. Okay. But um, uh, you know, there has been substantial dialogue uh, for now more than a century about uh, how those stories came to us, you know, how those writings uh, were made. Uh, the, the, there is a source theory about different uh, editorial work with an older text, for instance, and that has been a um, staple of uh, theology for more than a century, definitely in Germany. It eventually percolated here in uh, early 20th century or in the first quarter of the 20th century to America. But that's, that's one aspect of it. You know, people recognize that, you know, Exodus, like other Pentateuch, uh, 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 that fit uh, yeah. five uh, Torah, uh, five books of Moses, and other parts, very simply created by editing together a number of different sources. Um, and um, so that, that's a literary aspect of it. Uh, but uh, with the, as we started to learn more and more about ancient Near East, uh, it simply uh, started to go bizarre because you, you know you were coming across individual aspects or uh, parts of that story, but they simply did not fit together historically. Uh, so like, uh, you know, in Egypt, uh, you clearly have a presence of uh, Semitic people in the northern Egypt and in Nile Delta uh, for a very long period of time. That's, that's the other, you, you know, that definitely not uh, one single event like family moving out, growing into a nation and then migrating out. Uh, because this whole uh, exposure of Northern Egypt to people from uh, Middle East uh, lasted for millennia. <laughs> uh, and uh, 
was clearly composed of different waves. Uh, there were people moving in and moving out uh, all the time. Mm. Uh, it, it was a borderline uh, there. Uh, and uh, what makes it even more puzzling is that uh, all the artifacts uh, of Semitic people in Egypt uh, were polytheistic. You know, so not a single sign of uh, monotheistic inkling there. Mm. Uh, they, they would even accept Egyptian, uh, some of the Egyptian uh, gods, or wow. try to uh, acquaint them, or mm. use Egyptian depictions of their own gods, <laughs> and, mm. and, and so on and so forth. So you see all this uh, syncretism happening mm -hmm. there. Uh, the cultural, religious, and so on, uh, and, and happy to a large extent. Uh, there were clearly tensions, and we can talk about them a little later. But uh, So this is one aspect of it. Uh, the other aspect is that th there was a major monotheistic revolution happening in Egypt. Uh, but it did not come from outside. It... it, 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 it it, it happened within mm -hmm. Egyptian uh, society uh, uh, with uh, that revolution or reform, it depends how you look at it, uh, of Akhenaten, uh, Pharaoh, uh, the, the emperor, king, uh, who simply uh, started to push the monolatry probably more, uh, the worship of a single god, Atom. Uh, and uh, as soon as he died, it was over. <laughs> uh, and, but, but there were probably remnants of his attempt to, to reform Egyptian religion and, and so on. The problem is that it is uh, 14th century and it does not fit with uh, other events which are normally uh, associated with... Uh, uh, with Exodus, you know, so the, 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 this is uh, one example, uh, you know. Uh, um, as I mentioned, foreigners were migrating to Egypt and occasionally uh, there were migrations out, sometimes forced migrations. They were not called Hebrews or any kind of uh, words which would be associated with that, but uh, for instance, uh, one of major group famous uh, in Egyptian or infamous for Egyptians uh, were Hyksos, who took over the rule of entire Egypt for a while, like a ruling caste there, and they were expelled uh, away from Egypt. Uh, but that happened... Uh, like a century or century and a half earlier than Akhenaten. Mm. So, you, you know, the, the, those two things are in wrong order, kind of. Uh, so it just it, sounds like those, I mean, those two things are just, they don't have a connection, like you're saying, no, to, they, they, to a... Or hardly any, or, or maybe... Or a in, precedent to, to, to this at all. They, they, they were, uh, of course, uh, anthropologists, uh, who see it like that it is an indistant memory oh. preserved uh, and uh, and that's it, where the myth comes and, from and that's where they kind of coalesce or merge 
uh, and and form together. And uh, I, I mentioned, you know, that these Hyksos, for instance, being expelled, and it was a major traumatic event for for Egyptians. You know, uh, because they were generally like uh, on the borders, they they would tolerate these Semites coming in, but being ruled by a foreign caste uh, of of peoples. Uh, ruling class almost, you know, or ruling tribe. Uh, that, that was very tough for them. You know, so that was very traumatic. Uh, and uh, th there were other probably forced migration, you know, like expelling or the, you know, ups and downs. Like to some degree uh, in any border region there are. And we are right now experiencing one really traumatic uh, in our southern border here in the United States, mm -hmm. you know, there were always people uh, from Mexico because we occupied their land or American army simply took New Mexico or Texas and, and that was it, you know, or Anglo-Saxons or those who affiliated eventually with the United States took that land uh, while those people were there always living. Uh, and. Uh, and, and so, yeah, you know, these, these kind of movements were there always and, and uh, certain uh, pushbacks or expelling uh, some, some borderline people, uh, that, that might happen. But not of that kind and, and probably much smaller. Uh, so that's another. Uh, we, we know that there were the Egyptian empire uh, had major building projects. El Amarna, that would be the uh, seat of Akhenaten, for instance, was built exactly like that, you know. <laughs> he picked the empty space and because he wanted to have discontinuity with the prior situations and religion and wanted to get his own administration away from those old temples, and, and old, uh, old priests uh, who were constantly trying behind the scene to undermine his. So he decided to build a new, um, a new capital. Uh, and uh, that was all built within very short period of time, uh, clearly by forced labor mm -hmm. uh, uh, in, in a spectacular manner. And then abandoned as quickly as it was uh, settled. Uh, and, and similar projects, uh, empires tend to do that, you know, like building the wall. You know, there are buildings on wall there, you know, there will be some artifacts left over uh, and, and, and so on. Uh, so the, the, these things are happening, but uh, Again, it does not fit. You know, for instance, mm -hmm. one major uh, pro project we, we know about is uh, building an earlier version of Suez Canal, mm. where, where we hear from uh, ancient sources, Greek sources and classical sources, that it was a major accomplishment. It took a long period of time. Of course, people always knew that, you know, there are these two seas and it'll be very beneficial to have them connected uh, so that boats can go from one to another or ships. 
And, and so there, there, there were these uh, major projects and eventually they were com completed and, and they cost a lot of lives and very, very probably they were by forced labor or slave labor. Uh, but they are off by 10 centuries, <laughs> mm. you know, from, from those other I mentioned before, def definitely of, of expelling Ixos, for instance. So, you know, that, that's another thing which is like real in the history, but simply does not fit mm -hmm. uh, with the rest of those real events of history. Yeah. Uh, um, then, then you have here, like uh, in, in Exodus, uh, spectacular events of um, which you can easily recognize as uh, examples of volcanism, for instance, like uh, Epiphany on Mount Sinai. You know, mountain in the smoke, or you, you have those uh, pillars of uh, fire and pillars of smoke, uh, uh, and, and so on. But again, it does not fit, uh, because there is not that kind of volcanism uh, in Sinai. Mm -hmm. Yet, you know, Sinai is volcanic, but it was subsurface volcanism which got eroded. There are other volcanic uh, uh, areas in Arabian Peninsula, spectacular and ongoing. It's actually only dormant. Uh, and that would be more fitting. There, there are others who are thinking about, uh, you know, eruptions of, say, Santorini, but that's a completely different direction, and it is in the sea that can bring the, the, the idea of tsunamis, but again, the, those are the, the, those known tsunamis or major er eruptions are not fitting uh, history-wise. That they did happen. Uh, either tsunamis caused, caused by earthquakes or by, uh, by major volcanic eruptions, but they don't fit time-wise. Mm. Uh, and uh, they, the, the way they are described in the Bible, uh, they are more mythical. You know, I, I recognize, for instance, and it'll be the text uh, I'll be preaching this Sunday on, is uh, that crossing of the sea has very little to do with uh, geology or... Uh, any any kind of atmospheric events because there is mm -hmm. that wind which blow, blew the sea apart or something like that. It, it it has more based upon vocabulary and imagery which is used, and then not only in this story but it it finds its footprint or you can find the similar assonances to it throughout the Bible. Uh, has more mythical background. Uh, of uh, dividing the chaotic sea, you know, and creating the world. That's a creation story, mm. or walking on a sea. And that is an mm. uh, image which uh, repeats itself in the New Testament and, and is known from ancient Near East. And it's, uh, it's that kind of a uh, representation of subduing powers of chaos by the mm -hmm. ruling deity. 
for instance. So, uh, and, and it's well documented in Ugaritic literature and, and in Babylonian literature. Uh, I'm not saying that they are directly quoting any of those texts, yeah. uh, but they were definitely aware of it because it was part of their worldview. So uh, those are more mythical, uh, mythical backgrounds. Or we know that, for instance, Moses uh, being put into that reed basket has uh, antecedent uh, in, uh, in the King Sargon uh, myth about his origin, mm -hmm. uh, predating anything which can be in the Bible by something like a thousand I years. Think you, I think you, you, you talked know. about that once, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, and that's, that's, again, kind of mythical topos, you know, which is coming. So there are these uh, historical experiences, but spread all over the long periods of history. And then there are certain images taken from the mythology or different mythologies or mythical images, mostly Semitic on the other hand. Uh, it needs to be pointed out. Uh, uh, and then you, you can go into uh, the modern archaeology and uh, modern archaeologists would tell you that, you know, those cities they were supposed to build, uh, they, they simply don't fit. Uh, the the any kind of movement of large groups of people as described in in the exodus uh, across the Sinai deserts uh, simply did not leave there any trace uh, once I, I think I preached about it by saying you know where is the rubbish because if you have large groups of people moving through <laughs> Uh, you know, uninhabited area. It's first of all a major logistical problem, but we hear about some of it uh, there, and, and it is kind of miraculously accounted uh, through mana and water from the rock and, and, and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, let us say, you know, miracle helped. But uh, even if you have miracle helped, the miracle uh, got rid of the garbage too. Uh, but we don't hear about that, you know, and that's the problem. Uh, or not, not only gar you know, not, not only human biological refuse, which you don't have, and you can say it deteriorated or fertilizing the desert, even though if you go there, there is uh, nothing really fertile there. Uh, uh, it, it has the tendency to completely mummify anything you leave there because it sucks all the moisture of it and and you then discover it there you, you know mm -hmm. but but then there is all the other refuse because if you are building a tent you are definitely going to break a peg for instance mm -hmm. eventually and and a broken peg uh, you you'll most likely just leave behind or re reuse mm -hmm. one larger part of it and the rest would stay there uh, and, and so on and so forth. We did this way, you know, especially in deserts, you can find the, on the surface of a desert, mm. a place where Neolithic people were chipping their flint tools. So that's that, that's easy to find. Is what you, you're you, you can if you know what you are looking for, and archaeologists just those, go yeah. and walk and they see it. Wow. You know, it's called canvassing. You know, you go and look on the surface and, and just picking things from the That's surface, crazy. you can uh, 
discern sometimes more than by digging because you can cover larger areas, mm. for instance, and, and you can tell this area was uh, used by people in this era, then there was a gap, then came this era, because mm -hmm. you find the uh, shards of pottery, for instance. Mm -hmm. And by looking at them, you can tell this is this period, this is that period, and so on. You can find old uh, hearts and pick up some uh, carbon remains, like ash, mm -hmm. and, and date it, uh, carbon dated that, and, and so on and so forth. So the, the, it, it's well developed and well established, and, and you simply cannot find there anything of that kind. Of course, people live there, but they, they, there was no major migration of large groups of people, because they would leave behind much more than what we are finding there. Okay, that's uh, uh, no trace of large migration through Sinai at all. And then there are no traces of occupation of the land. That's, that's another part of it. Uh, here we are stepping from Exodus uh, into uh, Joshua, uh, biblical book. Uh, yeah. But uh, there are no traces of that, or very, very little. Uh, Originally, early archaeologists thought, but they were simply doing the circular argument by simply finding uh, destruction levels and so saying, oh, this is Joshua, and they used that for dating. And then, of course, it confirmed their finding. But when you use uh, scientific approaches, when you date that, uh, carbon date that, and, and when you contra... Uh, position it with other uh, similar assemblages of ceramics say, and, and, and so on, then, then you are getting a completely different story, mm -hmm. that those destruction layers are much older. Some of them are much younger, but none of those fit exactly this period. Uh, like they discovered Jericho and they discovered the, the thick walls of Jericho, they were like number of different thick walls of Jericho, but none of them was in existence at any time where uh, Exodus could happen. By that time, it was a small settlement without any walls at all. You know, later on, there were some walls, and earlier than that, there were substantial walls. But uh, earlier, I mean like centuries earlier. So again, it does not fit. And, and so, you know, for major movement of people from somewhere else and settling down, replacing the original population, like it is being repeated and repeated and repeated many times over in, in the Bible, with the, you know, dangerous uh, messages also about genocide. Those are all wishful thinking. It's, it's not true in reality, because uh, there was simply continuity of settlement. There is no discontinuity in, in, in culture, in, in religion, nothing you can really put your finger on. There was a different discontinuity with Philistines or with sea people. And there, that's the true migration, you know, coming from somewhere in Aegean Sea and migrating at the end of the Bronze Age, probably part of that uh, collapse of uh, late Bronze Age. And, and there you can see the true migration of people mm. from somewhere else, 
bringing in their own culture, their own religion, their own pottery and everything and, and really, you know, disruption or new settlements. And all, all the evidence that. is there. The, all the evidence is there. And there is even literary evidence, like we have inscriptions which are kind of describing it and, and so on. While, while with the Semitic people moving from Egypt and en masse and settling down or taking over the, this part of the land, uh, ha hardly any evidence at all. And uh, that, that, that's, uh, that's that conundrum. And now, you know, we kind of covered all of that. And uh, well, this well, this brings up a question automatically, which is which is a question that will probably come up many more times in this podcast. Why then do we care anymore about this book, knowing that this didn't happen? Because, and, and yeah, yeah, that's, 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 <laughs> that's uh, because still, uh, I, I think that it, it is through generations and generations distilled narrative where people after people after people cared for it, mm. put it intricately together from all these sources we just described yeah. to teach their children about something, something important and, and pass it on and further uh, distilled that and perfected that and worked on it. Uh, maybe sometimes censor it, mm -hmm. but uh, that, that is this long process which makes it important simply by definition that people before us found it important. And I think the, the stupidest thing we can do is to dismiss uh, whatever we are given by prior generations as something they found important for themselves mm. and dismiss it outright. I'm not saying not being critical about it. But, uh, you, you know, and, and, and think about it and, you know, we, we don't take it just granted. But, you know, if I am, for instance, giving something or trying to teach my granddaughter something, I'm doing it for some reason because I, I care for her. Yeah. She can dismiss that uh, eventually. Thing, oh, grandpa, <laughs> yeah. know, that was him, or whatever. But I think that if if she is uh, in the future uh, thoughtful, she would certainly give it some attention. And here we have something which is of much broader context. So uh, you know, the way I am talking about it in in our church is that Exodus is not a singular historical event uh, like 3,000 years ago, give or take. But Exodus uh, is ongoing. It's about the liberation from, from slavery, where all these different aspects were brought in from different periods, but created in one 
unit. Mm-hmm. And in that unit, they have a power to tell us something about how human societies function, how we function within them, how our faiths and hopes and aspirations are in, uh, influencing them. Uh, so that's one thing. You know, it did not happen back then exactly as described, but it's still happening. It was only processed through oral tradition of, of many generations mm-hmm. and eventually written and, and thought through. And it even helped us because theology in at the end of uh, medieval time and the beginning of modern time was one of the major engines which brought to us science. People don't recognize it. You know, it, science came into existence in a clash with theology. But theology was at the same time very powerful propeller, not only negatively, but positively, especially human sciences. Uh, you know, critical thinking about texts, hermeneutics, philosophy, all of that started within the theology where people were thinking and and reading these ancient texts and they're recognizing, oh, it does not fit, you know, why, how, Uh, and and, and so on. And and, uh, so forensic uh, sciences, for instance, what police is using until now, if they are looking for a writer of a letter, say, you know, extortionist or something like that, they are actually building upon things which theologians built 200, 300 years ago. You know, people are not thinking about it this way, but that is because they were theologians in late 18th century, say, you know, with enlightenment or even a little earlier, you know, who started to use the critical thinking, what we call exegesis, about some of those writings. And and if they're able to discern, you know, this part of the letter of Paul is not identical with the other one, and therefore those two are probably put together later on. They were probably written by Paul. Or this other letter has completely different vocabulary. It is mm-hmm. not Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it cannot be him. You know, it, someone in his name is writing it. And, and, and so on and so forth. And this happened really centuries ago. You know, it's painful that in America you have still people who are completely dismissing it. But that's the reality. So returning back to Egypt, we, we, we migrated in a, into a New Testament, you know, <laughs> but uh, returning to uh, Egypt, uh, like I said, Exodus is not an historical event or punctual historical event because it is still happening. Because there is still slavery in this world. There are still people longing for freedom. Like in the past in America, the... the, the Exodus theme was so powerful for for enslaved African Americans down south. Mm-hmm. Just listen to their spirituals. That's infused with this imagery. Yeah. You know, and 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 land of Egypt itself is not a specific land. Mm-hmm. 
you know, of course, it, it is. <laughs> Egypt exists and Nile is still there yeah. <laughs> and so on. But uh, here it is much larger. It is not just a geography. It's a place where people are enslaved. It's, it's, it's a complex thing. Mm -hmm. it, it could be Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Egypt, uh, enslaving, you know, or, uh, or, or, or it, it, it can be Cambodia under Khmer Rouge. Mm -hmm. Or apartheid. Or, or apartheid South Africa. Uh, so, uh, land of Egypt, at least the, how it is in, in, in Hebrew, uh, Eretz Mitzrayim, Bet uh, Avadim, uh, that means house of slavery. You know, already that you have this double name for it tells you that you know it's it's Egypt, mm. but it's any other house of slavery where mm. people are you know house means like empire, you know, or ruling house, you know where where slavery rules mm -hmm. is uh, it's so it's much larger. So Exodus never was. And still is, or always is. It's an invitation to, to, to go and march uh, to freedom or to, to allow people who are enslaved to go and, and, and be free. And uh, in, in, across the centuries and across uh, all times. And if we just drill it down fundamentalistically, you know, was it exactly this beach uh, that they crossed mm. across? Uh, you know, like you can yeah. find some of the uh, fundamentalist documentaries, <laughs> and, and so then you are narrowing it out so so badly. So they are they are actually your your point is that they're actually not just missing the the greater point. They they are they are really not um, taking in the the experience. Mm -hmm. Because they're they're looking for a reality, yes. and, and 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 actual places and evidence and everything, and trying to prove it. Trying to prove it. That's the yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. Or or not getting that it is uh, of a different nature. Yeah. You know, because as I said, you can find uh, support for almost all different parts of of those texts. You know, you can you can find uh, Mount Sinai, which really was volcanic in a form. It is described not exactly on Sinai Peninsula, you know, on on Arabic Peninsula, uh, within reasonable distance, say. But it was collated together. It was fused mm -hmm. together from different sources. Uh, from different ages with an intention to create this overarching narrative story which is until now grabbing us by heart and that is the main purpose so trying to figure out very exactly it was or something like that is truly missing the main thing. It is actually avoiding it. It's an active there defiance. Mm -hmm. It's an attempt to avoid the true purpose of that story. 
you know, trying to figure out where it is historically located, because then it is part of the history. We don't need to deal with it. We don't need to deal with our his our own history mm. of slavery. We don't need to deal mm -hmm. with our current problems with racism mm. and, 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 and slavery uh, in our own world. Mm -hmm. How we are continuing to harm other people. Mm. So, so, and this goes for probably every story in the Bible. When you try to find its reality in history, you are not living the story. Yeah. Is that a good way to say it? Living it out, yes. Living it out. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's missing the main point. It's uh, because, you know, I'm telling it, uh, I think that I've already uh, said that here in, in, in our podcast, that Bible is not a textbook of history, it's not a textbook of biology, or it's not textbook of anything of the... It, it has been informed by all of those, definitely in, in, on the level, and maybe a little more advanced even, than at the time when it was written. Okay, but uh, that is not the main purpose of it. Mm -hmm. Yes, it, it was well rounded in the world knowledge of its time, but that's not a main purpose. Or we can take from it, actually, because as much as they were involved in the current discourse of their time, those witnesses, they are showing us that we should be in our own time involved in a similar discourse of our modern sciences or our modern understanding of the world. But again, that's not the main purpose of it. You know, it's, it's, its main purpose is really spiritual, orienting us uh, in, in the life. And, and when you think about it, when we really, really want to... Uh, say something which truly matters for us personally or what truly matters for us as a society we end up of talking in mythological terms mm -hmm. we would use uh, a song or hymn or anthem or poem or quotation from the bible or quotation from other mythologies of the world like detached from its original potential historical roots, because those are just ephemeral. Mm -hmm. They are there, most likely, somewhere. But they are not the most important part of it. It is how I'm touched by it and how I'm trying to transfer it to you or to the next generation or generation after. That's beautiful and a great place to end. Thank you. Until next time. Mm -hmm.